Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. As always, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game they were a part of. As always, we don't put any limits. They can be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a AAU coach, whatever they want to tell us about, just what they consider to be their greatest game. Chris, in today's episode, super special for, for all of us here. Brett Carey, who's an assistant coach at Indiana State University in Terre Haute, Indiana, is here with us. We first met Brett back at the University of South Carolina when I was a graduate assistant. Chris, you were the director of video operations. And so, Brett, welcome on into the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm excited about it. And when you guys sent that text the other uh, week ago, I jumped right on it. I'll tell you what, you are marking history here. The Greatest Games podcast is the first college coach on the show. So we're just, oh. just breaking, breaking more records. I'll tell you what, we're excited <laughs> about that. I don't know what we'll be breaking, but I'll, uh, it'll be fun. We did, uh, we were talking before the podcast. This crew is, uh, <clears throat> had a lot of adventures together in a few oh, years. <laughs> oh, yeah, gosh. I mean, it's it's so great to just be on here with you guys. I mean, Chris, I know I haven't seen you in a while, uh, but we stay, you know, stay in touch through the phones all the time. Brian, me and you talk all the time. But just to get back together on something like this is, is just such a good deal. And I appreciate you guys thinking of me, man. It means a lot. Yeah. It's been it's been really neat. I mean, I, I, I joke with people all the time. I get to live vicariously through the buddies that work with us at, at USC that are that are still in college, and so being able to come up and and follow the program where you where have you been? Where's UNC Asheville or now at Indiana State? It's just been a, it's been a real hoot, and still see guys that you know Matt Jennings at at, at, uh, at Xavier, guys guys everywhere. It's just real neat to see that kind of coaching tree has continued to branch out and and, and still remain in college. It's really it's really cool. I had someone ask me this winter, you know, who my favorite college basketball team is. And I said, at this point, I really don't have one. <laughs> I said, but I check the scores of where all my friends are. You know, yeah. I check the Xavier score, the Wyoming score, the Indiana State score. You know, that I, you know, I just like watching college basketball. And then I check the scores to see how my buddies are doing. So, right. Brett and I were uh, – back in the day, Brett and I were great lunch buddies. That was our big thing was lunch. Yeah, the, the, the lunch bunch. I yeah, think I think Brandon Wallace gave us that name. <laughs> <laughs> you might have. Might have. Lunch was an important part of the day for Brett and I. <laughs> I, I. I tell you, I tell you, when it got bad was when there was probably at least five places in Columbia that when we walked in, they knew what we wanted already. <laughs> Tony's Pizza was one of them. Tony's oh, Pizza, Firehouse Sub, oh, Firehouse. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You name it, they said we are, and we didn't even have to order. The best was on those slow days, like in the off season. Some of the slow days in the summer, or the spring. I'd come up to the office there about ten o'clock and be like, "All right, we're oh, going to lunch." Four, uh, four hour lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the salty nut Friday lunches at the nut. Oh, can't beat that. So, so as a guy that still lives in Columbia, I need some more spots here. So round out that top three to five spots that were the the lunch bunches uh, spots here. What 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 else do we have? What was that place in West Columbia? The King the Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah, classic. 
Mm-hmm. We had Tonys. We had Five Guys. Uh, what was the other one in in um, in Five Points there? With the oh, Apocalypse Dipper. Oh, uh, the uh, Grouchos. Yep. Grouchos. Oh, Grouchos. Classic. Yeah, classic. Great spot. Yeah. Salty Nut was Salty Nut was the home of some serious trivia games too. Yeah. I mean, how can you forget about the answer, Albert Clifford? <laughs> oh yes, AC Slater. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then we used to go see that girl at the uh, Atlanta Bread Company. Brett, you remember that girl? Yeah, it was yours, old it girl. Was yours. <laughs> it was yours, Amy. Her name was Amy. That's correct. She was special. She was so special talent, Rose. Atlanta yep. Bread Company. Where was that? It was out there. in West Columbia. Yeah. Out off of 20. One of the exits right off of 20. Wow. I don't know if that's still in Columbia. Might have even been Lexington at that point. Okay. Yeah, our, our, our lunches had no limit. I mean, we, you know, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we just didn't stay in one little block there. We, we kind of branched out. <laughs> really amazing though with all the responsibility that we all had that we had time to get out and get lunch and class and <laughs> well that see that was one of class. the big thing was in the summer there wasn't a whole lot of classes to check mm-hmm. <laughs> okay brett first thing uh we have you do here on the greatest games podcast is take us through through your resume uh, the places you've coached and, and what's led you to be where you are today yeah okay I, uh well i've been fortunate enough to be at uh you know, high school level, which was at Oak Hill Academy, uh, where I actually played my senior year of high school, but I coached there a couple of different years. Uh, I was able to coach at the university where I played at UNC Asheville. So, again, very fortunate to coach at places that I played and wore the uniform. Uh, and obviously, you know, our group down there where we worked together at the University of South Carolina and then now here for the last three years at Indiana State University. And, and all of those stops have been very valuable. Um, and I tell people all the time, maybe the two years uh, at South Carolina are maybe the most critical, most valuable years of my career. And, and a lot of it is, you know, I was just getting into it. Uh, but, but it was such a great learning tool for me, uh, you know, after coming off a college career and then a, a pro career over a few years. Uh, that brings me to our first question in our Q&A. I was actually going to ask you this question. You kind of led right into it. Tell, tell us about some of your mentors. I mean, I know, I know them, but uh, tell, tell the people out there about some of the mentors you've had in coaching and, and the people that have meant a lot to you. Yeah, um, I actually had – so one, one that I had growing up uh, in Lincolnton, North Carolina, was Coach LaBelle Hall. Um, and then Coach Smith at Oak Hill has been uh, – one of the biggest mentors uh, through this journey. Uh, and then Eddie Biedenbaugh, who I played for at UNC Asheville and then also coached with him uh, for five of my nine years there. Uh, and then Dave Oldham at South Carolina. All of those guys have been some somebody that I can call on and whether it's just to talk, whether it's just to ask questions or just about anything, um, but Coach Smith at Oak Hill has been somebody that ever since I played there my senior year of high school, I've always had a close connection with him, just basically an extended family member for me. And that's a, that's a relationship now. It's going on 25 years. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I, I didn't need to be told how old I'm getting, but. <laughs> oh, but that shows the strength of the relationship is what I was getting. At. No, I, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. It's uh it's a very strong one. And, you know, and, and most people, you know, for me, it's such a, a refreshing relationship with him because most people try to build a relationship with him to recruit his kids. And obviously, yes, my relationship with him will allow me to recruit those guys. But that's for me, it goes beyond the sport of basketball. So you've been around some really high level talent throughout your, your coaching career. Can you pick one player as the best player that you have ever coached against? coached against yes best player coached against well that there there is a clear coat obvious and it's called he's his name is called lebron james <laughs> uh when i was <laughs> so that one i, I don't know if that's fair <laughs> well i'll tell you we had john combs on uh <laughs> and we were asking him and i and i said i said don't include your years in south carolina because you coach in the, in the sec i said just your high school years he goes, he goes, it can include any of my years. He goes, it's Zion Williamson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it, it include any year you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, but the cool thing about that game, uh, when I was at Oak Hill, it, when we played them, uh, it was it, we played uh, at Cleveland State, and it was sold out, 10,000 there in the arena. But the, the cool thing about it, it was actually the first uh, national televised high school game ever. And it was on ESPN. We were number one in the country, actually. They were 25th in the country. And we had played them, uh, you know, the last two years, like the year before when Carmelo was at Oak Hill and LeBron was a junior. But this was LeBron's senior year. And it was just just the, the leading up to it was just unbelievable. And, you know, you've seen all the articles. You see all the media that he was getting, the attention he was getting. And then when we took the floor and it was, it was, you know, as advertised, he was a, you know, I, I, I try to describe it every time I talk about it. He, he was an NBA body playing in high school. It was, it was kind of unreal just to see him. Out. And then where we were, I mean, we, we had big dudes as well. I mean, we've got, you know, nine guys out there going high major D one. So we, you know, but just him, himself just looked so different and if there was anybody ready to make that jump it was him and it was clear when he when he stepped out there right and that coming from you who was coaching you know kill at the time and the guys you had you know you had a bunch of d1 players was isaiah swan on that team isaiah swan was on that team marcus that came a couple years ago a couple yeah years yeah they actually they actually played it about uh it was like two two days into this quarantine it was on espnu uh, yeah yeah uh, somebody had texted me about it i i actually it was funny i haven't watched the game since we played the game uh but yeah marcus williams was our point guard uh he actually was drafted right before uh ronaldo balkman in that same draft i think he was 21 or they were 21 and 22, but Marcus Williams was the point guard on our team, played at UConn. Uh, Ivan Harris was a uh, McDonald's All-American off that team. Isaiah Swan, J.R. Reynolds was another guard. I mean, we, you know, we had a – we were number one team in the country at the time. Uh, and then uh, LeBron and those guys, they ended up – he had a good team as well. Uh, uh, Romeo Travis was on that team who ended up being the player of the year in the MAC his senior year. Um, and then the point guard, uh, Joyce, who was the coaches. I mean, they had a good team as well. It's just a great game. 
and a great atmosphere with, I mean, we had Dick Vitale, Bill Rafferty, and Walton and Jay Billis all doing the game. Oh. And so it was, and they all spoke to our teams before the game. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome that it was such a um, important game in basketball. Like you said, the first nationally televised high school yeah. game. That's great to be a part of. Right. So what, what made you want to be a coach? What is it that made you want to be a coach? It was yeah. You always thought about or. It, it is, uh, it is something I've always thought about. And, you know, my parents can tell you more of this than I could, but it was a young age where, uh, Obviously, I was in love with the game of basketball from a, a playing standpoint. But at an early age, I was I was really into it from, uh, you know, the X and O, I think, of it. Because, I mean, when I was a kid, I would sit there on the couch, watch games and with my pen and pad. And when I seen a play I liked, I would write it down. You know, and that was – I mean, I'm in middle school or whatever. I don't know what, how old I was, but they can tell you better than I can. But there was a uh, – you know, it's been something I've always wanted to do, a dream of mine, whenever the playing days ended. Because uh, as a player, my dream was to play at the pro level. Um, I was very fortunate to do that. And then, you know, for me, there was no question about when that was done, what I wanted to transition into. Uh, and by that time, I knew how difficult it would be to do. But I knew that coaching was going to be my route. Now, I've had the great fortune of seeing you work on the floor uh, in practices, shoot arounds during games as a great X's and O's coach, a great teacher. You're great with relationships with your guys and even even people around the arena walking around, everybody, hey, BC, what's going on? Everybody everybody knows you. What are, what are the keys that you found as, I don't know if I want to call it keys to success, but maybe those important things that you've really learned along the way that, that make you a successful college coach? I tell you what, it goes back to uh, really how I was raised. I mean, I, I, I've always been taught to, to treat people the right way, you know, sp speak to people with respect, no matter who they are. Uh, not everybody can do something for you. You know, don't, don't be somebody that's always going to just try to speak to somebody that they think can help them. You know, treat everybody equally. Be, be positive. Be happy. I'm a smiling person by nature. Um, but just be outgoing and being able to speak to everybody. You never know whose day you can change by just speaking to somebody. And that's really kind of how I carry myself on a daily basis. And, and that's why you see sometimes if you walk in the arena, I mean, just the, the security guy lets you in the door. I mean, I'm on a name basis with those type of people just because, I mean, they, they, those people are important. And, you know, they, they allow us to get to do what we do. And so I, I just always have been taught to treat people the right way and, you know, no matter who they are. I, I love that. Like I said, I've been able to experience that firsthand. And, and they gave me the key to the city this year. I was walking around Terre Haute this year, and I said, like, I know Brett Carroll. Oh, here, here's a key. You just go ahead and take it. Like, we, we love Brett. Right. We love Brett. Well, you know? now, 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 may, now, maybe the Dunkin' Donuts in Asheville. <laughs> now, maybe, now, you witnessed that. That was That's pretty true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, That's a great point you make, Brian, about Brett, though. He's definitely someone like that, that, you know, at South Carolina. And then I went up and visited him one time when he was in Asheville. I was going through there and spent a day or so up there. And it was the same thing. Like, everybody 
that works anywhere in the area where he works, knows who he is, knows his name. He says hello to everybody. Our guy in South Carolina, our guy at the back door, Keith. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keith, greatest guy, man. Yeah, the greatest. You're right. You know, everybody's important. Everybody's doing their job, and everybody's important in some aspect. And, and right, treating other people the way you want to be treated, that's, that's so true. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to be able to – to highlight that is part of your character traits and just who you are because right. it's it's been it's been neat to see you do that everywhere you go like you said including dunkin donuts which still just blows my mind just <laughs> what they're, I, they're they're making different things they're not even on the menu for this guy they're having them ready before he walks in i don't i just again i, I don't know the only, the only the only day i threw them off on the order was when I got a new car and they didn't know it was me pulling up. That was the only time they <laughs> caught him by surprise. <laughs> yeah, they just took him a day or so to get the new car down. That That's was- it. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Well, well, BC, the, obviously the name of the podcast, the greatest games podcast. Yeah. I guess we could say the, the greatest drink at Dunkin' Donuts, but let's stick with the greatest <laughs> games here. Um, so tell us about the greatest game you've ever been a part of, as much background information as you can tell us about and why it's so special to you. Yeah, well, when you uh, texted me, you guys texted me on this, you know, the, I was telling you the other day, Brian, on the phone, you know, the, the longer you're in this, the, the more – of those games you're going to think about. There's going to be so many great ones. And so, I, I, you know, I was going through the memory bank and I, I really tried to narrow one down. We touched on one that was a, a you know, greatest game for a different type of moments because, you know, LeBron James was the guy coming up. So that was one reason. But I kept reverting back to uh, the 2012 uh, UNC Asheville-Syracuse game, the 16-1 seed. And I know I'm going to get go against probably maybe the topic. It, no, why would your greatest game be a game you lost? But we did lose the game. But it's still, for me, one of the greatest games I've been a part of as an assistant coach uh, for numerous reasons. Uh, one is we about made history. Uh, we, were about the, we were almost the first 16 seed to beat a number one seed, uh, which would have been life-changing. Um, and then uh, another, you know, we, we were winning the game. We were up 34-30 at halftime with 35 seconds to go. We were down three. Uh, they've got the ball going full court. We're pressing. Ball goes off of them clearly. And the ref says it's their ball. And, you know, I often tell people a lot of times that right after that season, I call it the Asheville rule got put in because now they have instant replay in the last two minutes, and that would have been a, a replay call that they could have overchanged at the time they couldn't do that. And so for those type of pivotal moments is, is one reason that, for me, it's one of the greatest games I've been a part of. But that game there was just the result of a special team and a special season. That was a team that – you know, I used to tell Coach Biedenbach and Coach McDevitt all the time, I said, that team right there, if we didn't go to practice, us, the coaches, that team would have still practiced. Mm-hmm. And there would have been a practice plan. You you could have watched that team practice without a coach that year. And when you've got a team like that, you're going to do something very special. And that was why that team had a chance to almost set, uh, you know, history with being the first 16 to be a number one. And so that's some of the things that make that the greatest game, even though we did lose. 
Where was that game played? In Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburgh, 2012. I remember that play like it was yesterday. Now the ball going out of bounds, and uh, you had, yeah. I, 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 I had forgotten about it until you t- told that story. That game was incredible. I remember just just pulling so hard watching that game, and y'all had just an incredible year. Now you had you had now you had an NBA player on that team. Now you had, you had Hornsby. Did you have? He, Hornsby was a freshman yeah. who came off the bench that year. Okay, he, okay. He was a fre- he was a freshman that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's correct. Um, yeah, we were going into the game. We were 24 and nine. Wow. Talk and, about talk about going into the game. What? You, yeah. A sixteen seed had never beaten a one. The closest being Princeton at the time. Princeton almost beat Georgetown in nineteen eighty nine. There was there was two games in nineteen eighty nine. I think there were one. Yeah. Well, I forget the other one, and then obviously we've now had one with a, a guy we know, Ryan Odom, led his That's team right. over Virginia. Yeah, it's another, yeah, another reason this whole thing comes a circle. But right, but uh, talk about like what Coach was saying going into that game and the, the belief yeah. that you guys had that you could win it. Yeah, that uh, you can tell we've worked together because that was we were going into my next <laughs> reason. It's one of the greatest games for me uh, because <laughs> leading up to that game, so you know you have selection Sunday. Uh, so you're having your deal with that. And when that was over, Coach Biedenbach said, uh, Brett, I want you to do the scout for the game. And so for me personally, you know, you guys kind of know what that means as an assistant coach to do the scout. So for us, that was basically mean I was doing all of the preparation for the game, putting the game plan together. He was very good at allowing us as his assistants to do the work. And so – I had the freedom to basically get innovative on how we were going to attack the zone, uh, knowing that the tallest player we started was six, five, and that's only taller than their guards. And to, to go into the game, to attack, you know, their historical zone that everybody thinks is so great. And it is, it's, it's, it's very effective. It's what they do. But I came up with a, uh, offense kind of within what we do already to attack their zone and our guys bought in and believed from the minute we did it and to credit our guys that that's the way they were anyway I mean they they had such a belief and they felt like they were going to win the game anyway leading up to that Thursday it was on a Thursday and you know Wednesday going through our prep and all that and even before the game uh, Matt Dickey, who was the player of the year in our league that year, you know, before the team takes the court, he tells his teammates, he, got, he said, guys, don't be surprised if we're up at half. And we were. We were up 34-30. So they, they had a belief in them for, you know, all season. They, they knew how good they were, but they also knew how that could slip if they didn't continue to work on trying to get better. Uh, so leading up to that game, for me, it was special because – I had the freedom to completely take over on the scout and coach, you know, let me do what I needed to do. And it turned out to be pretty effective. That's something that you've always taken the bull by the horns and, and put in things. Maybe we can get to a story later about the comeback <laughs> victory, uh, putting in a little full court press if we have the time here a little bit for, uh, for another yeah. game. But, uh, yeah. if, if, yeah, it, it's got to be special. I, I got to witness um, a conference championship game last year of a, of a mid-major conference and watching those teams just fight it out for three days in a row, just knowing that they're going to get their shot 
at somebody, somebody big, some, you know, a, a higher seed in the NCAA tournament. And to hear the belief that, that you guys had going into that game, it just, it, it was just, it just sounds super special. And I, I remember that group. And if I remember right, and, and did Dickey struggle that game? And y'all had such a, a big, a big performance off the bench. I mean, all, just even even though yeah. somebody struggles, it's like, nope, I got you. I'm going to pick mm-hmm. back up. Or, you know, it just it just sounded. Yep. I'm just going on here, but it sounded like a real special group that you guys had. Yep, it was. They were uh, so so connected as a group. You know, they just they they played for each other. You know, every day in practice and every day in the game. So, you know, for a school like UNC Asheville, the non-conference schedule a lot of times won't allow you to go 24 and nine. I mean, we, we opened up the year against the number one team in the country, North Carolina, and, you know, we lose by nine. And it was a three-point game, you know, there at the end, and then the fouls happened. I mean, our team our team was uh, very good that year. And, again, we weren't, you know, we weren't very big, uh, but our hearts was as big as they get. Was Did that turn out to be Coach B's last game, or did he coach one more year after that? No, he, yeah, he coached uh, another year. Oh, okay. I was I was just trying to think of the years lined up. Yeah. So, and how many how many tournaments had you guys been to at that point? Was that your like third maybe? That that was uh, we went back to back. So we went 2011, 2012. He had went back in 03 was his first one. Okay. And then later on we went 2016. Right. Uh, up was, there, yeah. up there in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I saw that was Villanova, right? Yeah. Yeah, I came over to that game. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the third time he had been to the NCAAs with Asheville. That was what well, Coach B was not coaching then. That was my third time as an assistant. That was when uh, Nick was the head coach at that. Point. No, no, I'm saying the Syracuse game. The Syracuse game. It was his third time, yes. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Talk about um, Coach Biedenbaugh and, and what he meant to the UNC Asheville program. Oh, what geez. what a coach like that means to a small mid major. Yeah, I mean he was he was as good as it gets from, uh, you know, clearly a basketball standpoint from a coaching standpoint. But you're talking about somebody that connects with a community. Uh, he's the best. Uh, that that program was driven from his connection with the people in the community from a fundraising standpoint, uh, just from relationship standpoints. I mean, there's not anybody you go through the city of Asheville that didn't know Coach Beanby. And he was, uh, you know, just so good at that. And he was he was there as the head coach for, uh, I don't want to get this wrong, uh, 18 years. And th- that program went from, you know, this – to this and and it was a process that is not easy and he he made it uh, a premier program in the big south and then you know somewhat on the big stage especially like that game against Syracuse uh, a lot of people got to see what he had been building for about 15 years at that point you know he just uh, just so good at um, all aspects of the head coaching position, you know, where it's not just get out there and coach your team on the basketball court. Well, you talk about the trajectory of that program he took over. And correct me if I'm wrong, that he, the, the brand-new arena, Kimmel Arena, opened in 2011, right? And see all no, no, yeah, that, that year of that same team. Yeah, so just to, for him to be here that long, 
just well known around Asheville. Like you talk about fundraising, just a great stand-up guy in the community. And then to just put UNC Asheville on the map and what a, what a great example of how interscholastic athletics puts schools like who would have heard of UNC Asheville before this game, you know, it's just a, what, what right. wonderful publicity and to see the university and the, and the city go, but get behind him to build that arena and then to see the success continue. Just that's, that's really, really, really special. Yeah. Sorry, I muted myself. No, yeah. <laughs> Ryan, what was the game or what was the game you were going to talk about briefly? Yeah, so BC, now I'm <laughs> I'm blanking now whether it was against Winthrop or Gardner Webb. It was Winthrop. Uh, Winthrop, Gar- okay. Gardner Webb, uh, uh, based on one of the uh, podcasts I listened to you guys when you were talking about technical fouls, uh, Gardner Webb was the <laughs> game where I got a technical foul as an assistant. But no, you're 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 referring to the Winthrop game. Well, I wasn't gonna really bring it up, but since you brought it up, um, <laughs> can you te- can you tell both those stories? Since we have some time, um, I'd love to hear the, the the technical foul story. As I remembered, it was it was quite humorous, and then the uh, we're putting it in now story. I think that yeah, once yeah. you tell that story, it'll it'll become so, clear about what that. Yeah. Story. So so the Gardner Webb game was it was at home and. <laughs> kind of a semi-break, a numbers break. Well, we've got a, a guy, uh, Kevin Venata, who is known for taking charges. He gets to his spot, takes a charge, and, you know, ref does the famous, you know, hands-on-the-hip block call. Well, I kind of disagreed with it, and a media person across the court needed a pen, so I threw him my pen. <laughs> I threw him my pen. <laughs> The, the problem was the, the pin shattered, and the, the ref looks over the bench and calls a technical, but this isn't, that isn't the best part. The best part is Nick McDevitt thinks they call it on him, so he throws his coat. He doesn't know why he got teed up. I'm having to go bring him back and tell him it's me. It's me. <laughs> so now the, coat throw. The, the good thing about that tech is it did get us over this little hump that sparked us and we ended up winning the game. So sometimes technicals are effective. <laughs> that, um, that, that, the coat throw. I'd forgotten about the coat throw. The, Nick, Nick, <laughs> yeah. the most mild mannered gentleman in the country yeah. throws a coat. Like, <laughs> that's just, yeah. Well, yeah, he got he, he thought the tech was on him because he doesn't see me. I'm behind him, and he just sees the ref look over there and team up. So now I've got to explain to him, no, no, it's not you, coach. <laughs> it's a rarity for assistant coaches to get technical fouls, but I tell you what, I going back to the point we we're making earlier about just caring for other people. You you needed that gentleman to get the pen across the floor, and you did your best to get that pen to him. That's just, well, that's, that's what I was did, did that guy ever get a pen? <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't get it back, so I don't know where it is. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he got his pen. <laughs> okay. I heard people tell technical foul stories, but the way you told that was terrific. I love it. <laughs> I hated the pen. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And then the other game uh, uh, Brian's talking about is uh, is another home game against Winthrop, who at the time uh, with us being in Asheville and Winthrop, uh, it was a pretty pretty good rivalry we had going. Uh, you know, they would win the league, we'd win the league. We we're both at the top. And, uh, they were, I mean, they were kicking our tail. I mean, we were down 19 at half, I think, at home. And so we come out in the second half, we're down 23. 
with the first media takes place under the under the 16 mark. And so I just tell coach, I said, I said, we got we got to do something different. We got to press or something. He said, well, we don't have one. I said, well, we do now. And I took the clipboard, I put a press in, and the guys executed it to a T. And we come back and won the game down 23 with under 16. The coach was pretty impressive by our guys by by doing something they'd never done before. So that was, you know, the the classic. We're we're putting it in now, coach. And <laughs> And, 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 again, I've been so fortunate to, to have a relationship with the guys I've worked for where they allow – because that, that's not going to happen uh, in a lot of cases. And and he said, go do it, and I did it. And at the end of the game was uh, – it, it luckily turned out where we won. The, the energy in the building, absolute 180, because it was – you're down 23, under 16. It's just – you know, it's a hometown crowd. Everybody loves UNC Asheville. Basketball is there. It's like, well, you know, it just they just got us this time. It's just, it yeah. just didn't happen today. And then just just <laughs> chipping away, chipping away, chipping it, and it just completely flipped to like, oh my goodness, they're gonna win this game. Like, yeah. how is this gonna happen? Like, it was yeah. just it was absolutely yeah. incredible to be able to witness. And that. I was and I was just as sweaty as the players after the game. I mean, I I was up and down the sideline. I mean, that that was actually one of the games that went through my mind when you guys were talking about talk about today's game that was one of them as well again just from the standpoint of you know I felt like I had a, a impact on it mm-hmm. all right coach well, we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here our final question we like to ask is if I asked a player who played for you in 2009 at Asheville and I asked one of your players from this year what is something that coach Carey says over and over and over again what is that it could be a coaching point it could be a you know a funny quip what is something you say over that when the guys are sitting around going, oh, Coach Carey always says? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, there, there, there'll probably be a few different ones. Uh, that one that I'm kind of proud of, it, it's a duckadism, uh, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I, I tell them <laughs> I all what the, it is. <laughs> I, say, I say, guys, don't be a fish. I say, they find a fish out there. <laughs> so a lot, of, a lot of them could say that. I tried to actually, say that to my kids. Go ahead. I tried to say that to my kids this year, and they couldn't understand what I meant, even when I explained it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually used it in a pregame speech this year. <laughs> How'd it go with the speech? What'd you say? Well, well, it's actually got a uh, got a video. We got a great uh, Luke Martin does a great job with us with our film stuff. He's actually got it on video. Uh, but leading up to the game, that was part of the whole scout report based on how uh, Evansville plays. They, they they look for a fish, and then they try to take advantage of that matchup. So I was using it leading up to the game. And so on the on the dry erase board, I had a little art picture with a, a, a fish. You know, it had UE on it and a little person fishing. And uh, I, I said, I said, if you notice uh, on that fish, there's, a, there's no mouth. I said, because we ain't taking no free can bait tonight i said so don't be a fish yeah. but uh yeah so, so it, it still lives on the duckadisms i tell you what you, you referenced luke martin um i'm just gonna point 
our listeners to y'all's social media, Indiana State men's basketball on Twitter, Instagram. You do a great job. Luke is just one of the most talented media guys, multi-talented, can do play-by-play, and they can get behind the camera and then edit those things together. But I tell you what, he's gotten some great footage of you that I've been able to see from South Carolina uh, before the game, after the game. You do a great job getting guys pumped up. I tell you, Rick Duckett would be proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Hope so. Good deal. Well, Coach Carey, again, we encourage fans to check out Indiana State men's basketball on Twitter, all those social media platforms and on on the web. Is there anything else that you'd like to promote that's going on up there in Terre Haute? Uh, No, like you said, man, just follow Indiana State basketball. Uh, On all the social medias, uh, nothing really uh, to promote just other than that. We've got a, a great bunch of guys that are working hard. Uh, even through these uh, challenging times, but just uh, encouraging everybody to stay safe out there. And uh, when this thing passes, man, it uh, it'll be a good thing. But uh, stay safe. Yeah, well, it's a it's a special thing y'all have going on up there. And uh, again, just can't thank you enough for having me up there and welcoming me in. Everybody in Terre Haute, welcome, welcoming this guy from South Carolina into the fold every once a year. And I tell you what, it's just a, it's a lot of fun to watch y'all play. And I uh, wish you continued success with the Sycamores. So. For my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. 